think that might be my favorite Christmas song of all of them. Besides that hallelujah song we sing on Christmas Eve, that's pretty good too. So, usually I'm nervous. You know, I want to watch what I say because I don't want to offend anybody, but we got to get rid of some of you. We got too many people in here. So we'll quit worrying about that. I know the two services will help, and that's a good problem to have. I know Nathaniel spoke last week. I was real nervous when people were coming in and couldn't find seats, which is such a great problem, right? So thank God for that. Um, actually, a good friend of mine, Elaine Emmerich, who works for Northport Sons, going to do, her husband's actually was the mayor of Northport, <laughs> who came to Freedom for a while, is going to write us uh, an article up for about our Christmas Eve services and our plans to go to two services. So I'm looking forward to that. So let's go to work today. If you're new with us, we go verse by verse through scriptures, and uh, we are studying the book of Romans one week, and then the book of John. Last week, we're in the book of John, so this week, we are back in the book of Romans. Um, So I want to talk to you about a very important subject, a subject you don't hear a lot in church, but let's talk about the danger of religion. The danger of religion. I actually, my last sermon that I did in Romans titled Judgment for the Judgmental, I actually felt guilty because I felt like I was making some of you guilty. (laughs) And I think there's two G words when we come to church. There's guilt, but there's gratitude. Last thing I want to do, you guys, you guys are my best friends, so the last thing I want to do is to make you feel guilty, right? But if you think about it, Jesus told that parable about how the religious guy comes into the temple and he's bragging, he's boasting about all the religious stuff he's done. But the tax collector that everybody looks down on, he comes in, won't even look up heaven, he beats his chest and says, Have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, that guy went home justified. So that kind of goes with the Scriptures today. So here one guy comes in and he brags about all the religious stuff he does. He's self-righteous. But he's not justified before God. But the other man was broken. So there needs to be a brokenness, okay? So sometimes we have to feel a little guilty. But then, we are also filled with gratitude. I want you to know, if I make you feel guilty, uh, that's because I felt guilty studying for the sermon, right? We're in this together. So the gratitude comes at the end with the gospel, and that's what Paul is doing here in the book of Romans. He is letting them see how sinful they are, He dealt with the pagans in chapter 1. Talked about how they've rejected God. They're rebellious against God. And they've got all this sexual perversion going on in the Roman Empire. And he calls it out so they could see it as sin, so they'll see that they need a Savior. But now he targets another group that are just as lost. And this is the religious crowd. 
And I do think sometimes in church, we kind of fit into that category a little bit. And I said, you know, my, before I was a Christian, I was very wild and rebellious. And then when I first came into the church, I put on a suit and tie and started being judgmental and looking down on everybody. And that's what the devil will do. He'll, he'll, he'll take you down whatever road he can take you on. He'll either make you rebellious or he'll make you religious. Uh, I really believe religion is one of the most dangerous things in the world today. It's always been dangerous. Uh, it's always sought after men and women's souls. All through history, you can look at the wars and all the evil things that have been done in our history. Many of them have been done in the name of religion. You know, you look at the Crusades where people were murdering people with crosses on their shields. And of course, this makes people skeptical of Christianity, but don't let that bother you when pe people bring that up, because it's just easy for me. I always say, those weren't Christians, <laughs> because they weren't. Just because you wear the name Christian, you can have a cross on your shield. You could wear a cross around your neck. That does not make you a Christian in your heart. And so this is what Paul is dealing with here. Um, so let's look at this. We left off at verse 6. That's your warning. You talk about religion, cell phones are going to go crazy today. Because I'm going to I want to tell you right now, the devil's favorite thing is religion. It really is. Because like I said, it, it, it deceives people. It makes people judgmental. It makes them mean. It makes them cruel. It makes them think that they're okay. not okay. It gives them a false sense of security. So it, it's such an important subject. Uh, it's, it's, it's why, you know, you ever notice how the media protects religion? I know there's a very big atheistic movement going on, and that itself is a belief system. It's a religion itself. But the media protects religion. They protect all the religions except for true Christianity. Why is that? Well, the God of this world, Scripture says, blinds the minds of unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel. So Satan runs the media. He runs all the religion out there. And like I said, he'll, he'll, he'll get you any way he can. So let's look at the Word of God here and see what Paul says. Paul, he's still dealing with the religious person now. And he talks about the judgment. We left off in verse 6. Let's read it. He says, says He, God, will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. God doesn't show any favoritism. And what he's saying here, this is a fancy way of saying, everybody's going to stand before God 
And God is going to expose those who had true hearts for Him and those who did not have hearts for Him. Um, this kind of sounds like it's works. It, it, it's caused some commentators to say, oh no, he's not even, he's just talking about those that try to earn their way to heaven. No, I, I just think he's talking about the goodness that he's talking about here is what's in your heart. We saw last week when Jesus meets Nathaniel. Nathaniel says something bad about Jesus. Jesus is kind to him. And he says to Nathaniel, there is no guile in you. You are a true Israelite. What was he saying to Nathaniel? That he never sinned? That he was this extra good person? No. He was just saying, when I saw you under the fig tree, I saw your heart. And I saw that you wanted me. And you wanted to know me. And that's why you're embracing me. And that's the key here. It's your heart. Does your heart really love God? Does your heart really want God? And by the way, let me throw this in because we'll talk about this in Romans. If you have a good heart, don't pat yourself on the back because God gave you that heart. God gave you that heart. And that's why I love Nathaniel's prayer, uh, my Nathaniel's prayer at the end of his sermon last week when he says, ask God to deal with your heart, to change your heart. And that's what I think we all have to do each and every day, each and every week when we come. God, change my heart. So this is what he's saying. There's going to be a judgment. Those that do good, those that obey God, those that want God, man, they're going to be rewarded. But those who do not love God and they're unrighteous in their heart, and God will expose this on judgment day, you read Revelation, you read the end, and it talks about the great white throne judgment. It talks about how the books are going to be opened. And I know some of you think, books, doesn't God have a computer? Doesn't He have good technology? It's symbolic language that God has a record. God has a record of every word you've said, every thought you've thunk, if that's a word, okay? Okay. Everything, everything you've done, it's going to be shown. Even the stuff you forgot about, right? Now, of course, that judgment is for unbelievers. Unbelievers that trust in themselves, sometimes trust they're a good person. So they're going to get a fair trial. And they're not going to like that trial. It's going to be a very nervous time, okay? And that's what Paul's saying. And it's going to be distress. It, it, people have no idea what's coming, I always say. And people take it for granted. May we never take the mercy of God and the grace of God for granted. And that's why we have gratitude that even though we are sinful, God gives us forgiveness. Let's read verse 12. He says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who are justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicted thoughts accuse or even accuse them. 
on that day, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Again, he's talking about the heart, talking about the judgment that's coming. Every secret will be exposed. He's trying to release... He's trying to reach the religious guy here. He wants the religious guy to read this and see, listen, listen, you're not any better because you have the law. You have the law, but you don't keep the law. And you break the law, so you're going to be judged by this law that you love, and you think you're better than everybody because you have the law. And he's saying these Gentiles, they have a conscience. So everybody's going to get a fair trial. And God is going to expose all the secrets. That's what he's saying here. So, you know, God, God wants you to see. If you're here, I don't know what you're trusting in to make you right before God. And I hope you're not thinking, well, you know, I'm a good Christian. I'm a good person. I go to church and I do this. The, the worst, listen, the biggest cult in the world, I call it, is the good guy religion, okay? I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. And, and this deceives people. So we've got to get to the place where we see that we're sinful and that our hearts without God are darkened and sinful and deceitful. And we are worse than we think we are. And we can look, look, at, look it down on somebody else and that makes us feel better, but that's evil in itself. So, this is what Paul is saying. He's trying to reach into the person trusting themselves that you need Jesus Christ. That's the only safe place. It's the only safe place from rebellion. It's the only safe place from religion. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So, so let's look at... Three dangers. Three dangers, okay? And we'll close this up. we got a big day today. Children's program going on and a lot going on. So three dangers, okay, that Paul talked about. Number one, the danger of a religious name. Romans 1.17, he says, But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God. Paul says, I like how Nathaniel did that last week. He said, let's take out the word Jew and put in the word Christian. So let's do it again. But if you call yourself a Christian and rely on the law and boast in God. So you call yourself a Christian and you own a Bible. He says, be very careful because the name Christian itself will not save you. And many of the Jews thought because they were a Jew. Now listen, I, I love Jewish people. Okay, I don't know how you can be a Christian and not love Jewish people. Like I invited a lady at McDonald's and she said, well, I can't come to your church because I'm a Jew. And I said, well, I worship a Jew. <laughs> okay? <laughs> That made her smile. And yeah, we worship Jesus Christ who came from the Jews. And I don't know how anybody 
can call himself a Christian and not pray for Israel and support Israel. Before I was a Christian, I could care less about Israel. Now I love the place. And I love what it stands for. And that's why there's so much hatred toward it. Because it's God's. And God is still doing a work there. But what, but what well, Paul is saying to some of these, these Jews, just because you, you're a Jew, you think you're going to be saved. Remember when John the Baptist, remember when the Jewish leaders came out to him? And he says, you know, he says, you, you guys call yourself children of Abraham, but you better repent. Because just because you're children of Abraham doesn't mean you're saved. Doesn't mean that you're right with God. In the same way it works today for us. I run into so many people, you know, and you talk to them and you try to find, I try to find out where they are with God. You know, when, when did you realize that you're a sinner? When did you put your faith in Jesus Christ? And it just amazes me how people talk and just talk about, well, you know, I was born in a Christian family. I've always been a Christian. That scares me when people say that. I've always been a Christian. And it's like they're just so blind to it. And I think of that proverb that says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. That's a scary verse to me. And it's, a, it's, it's scary, and I think we need to talk about this more. Because I think we've got a lot of false Christians who, who are Christians in name only because they did something Christian in their past or they were brought up in a Christian denomination or a Christian family, but there's never really been conversion in their heart. Jesus warned us about this, didn't he, in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, not everybody who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my Father, again, has a heart to do God's will because God came in and changed your heart. <laughs> Jesus talks about how many, many multitudes will say on that day, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And then Jesus will tell them, away from me, I never knew you. You, you weren't, changed in your heart you did all this christian stuff prophesy that's preach that's scary for me right people that have preached jesus is going to say away from me people who cast out demons you know you got these people in your family think they can cast out demons you know they can't get their own kids to listen to them but they think they can cast out supernatural beings and this is such a deception and it goes on all the time, all this hocus pocus on Christian radio, on Christian TV, where these people think they got power over demons and they preach. And half the time, they're not even preaching the true gospel. And it, it's a scary thing to me. It's a deception. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. I'm trying to rescue you from all that. So you put your heart, get your heart right with God. Get your heart right. So the danger of a religious name. Has God done a work in your heart? Or are you a Christian 
by name only. Are you a part of the good guy religion? I'm a good guy. Oh, be so very careful of that, my friend. Be very careful of that. Number two, let's see the danger of religious knowledge. The danger of religious knowledge. And he says, and know his will. So he says, you're, you're a Jew. You rely on the law. You boast in God. And you know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law. And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, who then will teach others? Do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You say that one must not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You abhor idols. Do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now that is a scolding, scolding paragraph of Scripture. And what he's doing, like Jesus, he's calling out the hypocrisy of the religious of the day. Jesus called them blind guides, remember? He says, you guys, you guys travel around, you travel around everywhere, and then you make somebody twice the son of hell as you are. Wow. Saying, you try to make converts religious like yourself, when in your heart, you don't really love God. That's what he's saying. And he's being sarcastic here, because he says, you guys think you... You're, you guys have the light. You guys think you're the teachers. You guys think you're, you're showing all the children the truth. You're the adult showing all the children of truth, but it's like you don't even know the truth. You don't live the truth. You don't believe the truth. And I don't think Paul was saying that they were robbing temples, like going in there with a gun and of course, there were no guns back then, but they weren't going in the temple and robbing the temple with guns. But what they were doing is they were making money off their religion and they were taking advantage of people. And that's why we're going to see in John's gospel in a few weeks, that's why Jesus was angry and he went into the table and he overturned all the tables and chased all of them out of there. Because he says, you've turned my father's house into this into this corruption. And so this is what Paul is saying here. He's saying you're so pride. You, you love your teaching. You love your... You just think you're so better than everybody else. And brothers and sisters, as Christians, we have to be careful of this. Because we have the Bible. We have knowledge. And it's so easier for us to judge people that don't have a Bible and act like they're the bad people and we're the good people. We have a Bible because we're privileged. We have a Bible because it's grace and mercy. Grace and mercy will make you humble. Grace and mercy will make you love others, not look down on others. But religious knowledge, man, it'll, just, it'll puff you up. It'll make you arrogant. So we must all turn from this. He says, 
the name of God is blasphemed. Your hypocrisy has made, made the Gentiles look at the Jewish nation and go, these guys are hypocrites. How, how sad would that be? I think the saddest thing we could do is for the unbelievers in our life and our family to look at us and go, they're hypocrites. Man, may that never be. May we pray to God to change our hearts. May we never come across as pride. We, we, should, come, we should be the most humble people walking the earth of all that God has done for us, all that he's given us. None of us deserve anything. So the, the danger of religious knowledge, don't, don't think you know more than others because it'll get you. It'll ruin your testimony. And I think when people see that we're humble, when people see that we're gracious, and, and they see that we don't look down on others, I think that makes them attracted to the church. So may we, may we be like Jesus. Religion will just make you proud. Rebellion will make you crazy. Jesus will fix you, okay? Follow Jesus. Don't follow the religious crowd. Follow Jesus and He will change you. And that's what happened to me. I began to look at Scripture. And I had I, some misguided Christians. I had some really good Christians that discipled me. But I also went to a church that was very judgmental and misguided. And so I, I just thought that's the way it's supposed to be. But then when I, but when I started reading my Bible for myself and reading about Jesus, then I saw the truth. And I saw I, I need to change. I need to quit being judgmental. I need to remember where I came from. And... Humility is a beautiful thing. Folks, humility, humility will give you peace. Pride will make you miserable. Miserable. So pray and ask God to humble your hearts today. And I pray the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you in some way. Number three and finally, the danger of religious ceremony. So important. He says... And you know what's amazing to me about Scripture, how it all goes together? Nathaniel read these verses last week. I don't think he was even aware that I was going to touch these verses. John the fisherman was talking about the heart last week. Paul the brilliant scholar is talking about the heart. He's talking about the heart. He says in verse 25, For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have, written, who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. 
Scripture says man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And these religious Jewish people, much like religious Christians today, we're proud of our ceremony, baptism, communion. We have our ceremonies too. And they had their ceremony. And circumcision was the big one, right? Now, now I, I hate to talk about circumcision, all right? I always hate it when I got circumcision in my notes, you know. But uh, circumcision was obviously a big deal to the Jewish people. What's funny about it is they bragged about it, but they wore clothes. So you can really couldn't see if they were circumcised or not, right? But they, they were circumcised. What was that big deal? I, I always think about it, you know, when, when God made that covenant with Abraham, and he comes home and tells Sarah, hey, God made a covenant with you. What's, what's going to be the sign of that covenant? Circumcision. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, right? And what, what was it? Why, why circumcision? Because it showed that the male organ that produces sin in another person, it was a picture. That sin had to be cut away. And it was bloody. And it was a, it was a extreme sign. But I, you know, to me, killing lambs was extreme to me. Killing lambs. But it was extreme because what Jesus Christ would do on that cross to cut away our sin and to circumcise our hearts, as Paul's talking about here, he shed his blood. And that's why these signs were so extreme. And this is why, why God did this. But the, but, these, but the Jewish religious leaders began to think because they were circumcised, they were better than everybody else, and they looked down on the people that were not circumcised. So Paul had to say, no, it's about the heart. And he's saying there's coming a day on judgment when people who were not circumcised, they're going to be going to heaven because their hearts were right with God, and you're not, even though you have physical circumcision. So this is something for us to think about, I think, in our, our world. You know, because people look at their baptism. People look at communion. Some churches take communion every week because they think communion saves them or keeps them saved. This is true. Some people think baptism is their salvation. That's why many people push baptism so much. Baptism is a beautiful thing. We're going to have a baptism service. We want you to be baptized because in your heart you love God and you've put your faith in Jesus. So it's a heart thing. But some people worship the ceremony. I remember I came from a denomination that really pushed this baptism stuff. And I remember when I was a youth minister... We would go to camp, and I would deal with all these teenagers at camp. And you know, I was in a I was in a dorm, I was in charge of a dorm, and I was in there with all these young men. And I remember, I remember trying to talk to them about their relationship with God, their relationship with Jesus. You know, when when did you put your faith in Jesus? And I try to talk to them about their spiritual life, and one after another. These young kids kept saying, I was baptized. I was baptized. I was baptized. It was so, in that denomination, it's all about baptism. 
And I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth right now. These, these young men, they did not know Jesus. They, ne- they did not have a relationship with him. It was all about their baptism. It scares me. And that's why every time we baptize somebody, I make it clear. I can't take away your sin. The water can't take away your sin. Because people think this stuff. The danger of religious ceremony. So, may God speak to you today. I know there's been a lot of people watching on YouTube. May God speak to you today, friend. Make sure that you're like that tax collector that goes into the temple and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And call out to Jesus Christ who died for your sin on the cross. And that's what will give you gratitude. Okay? The cool thing about the cross, Jesus died for our guilt too. So there's some things we've done. There's things I've done in my life, I can't wash it off. It still bugs me. But I I have to look to the cross and know that Jesus died for those sins and he died for the guilt of my sins. The person that can't let go of their guilt, what's the problem there? They're not trusting in the cross because there's nothing we can do. We can't go back and undo our sins and our mistakes. We can only look to Jesus who died for us in our place and put our trust in that. One of my favorite, I mean, my favorite statements from Jesus is when Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. You know what he was talking about rest from there? Religion. Religion. The people of Israel were so burdened down by religion And Jesus says, come to me. I'll give you rest from all that. Okay, I'll change your heart. Learn from me. I love that. Learn from me. Do you like learning from Jesus? Do you like following Jesus? Do you love God? Do you love God in your heart? If not, let's pray that prayer again this week. God, change my heart. Please pray with me. Let's pray today. In the quietness of this moment, nice and quiet today. We've got one cell phone. That one bad person had their cell phone go off. Thank God Jesus died for you even if your cell phone goes off. Right? He died for all of it. Shouldn't make light of it. The sacrifice Jesus made and who he was, so holy, so pure to do that for us. In this moment, I don't know, you could be visiting here today. In this walked in here, and I, I'm telling you, God loves you. And if you say, man, I'm a really bad sinner, though, well, you're in a perfect spot. Because <laughs> at least you know it. And so you can cry out to God for mercy, and He'll give it to you. Just say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't know, if you had to confess your judgmental attitude, maybe some self-righteousness, I had to confess that. I still confess it. Because it creeps up on you, you know.
in this moment, confess, confess your sin. Confess if you've been self-righteous. Confess if you've looked down on others. And ask God. Just say, God, change my heart. God, I want to have a humble heart. I want to have a humble heart. God, I, I, I want to love You. I want to love You. I want to know You. I want to learn from You, Jesus. I'm burdened. I need Your rest. Jesus, give me that rest. Father, thank You for today, Lord. Thank You that we could come and sing songs to You. God, we thank You for the Christmas season and what that means, Your great love to come to this earth. Empty Yourself of all Your glory and take on that human body. Put Yourself in an animal trough. And You show us what humility is all about, God. We want to be like You. Jesus, we want to be like You. Cleanse us from our religious ways. Cleanse us from our rebellious ways. Change our hearts, Lord. Fill our hearts with love, gratitude, thanksgiving. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.